salutations, good people. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Slow Wolf Podcast and stream. I am Kendra. Hey, Ramon. And as we have with our previous um, shows, we always start off with a powerful motivational quote. And I thought this one would be appropriate because this is one of our favorite rappers and he passed away this week. So I thought we would start off with one of his, pr- um, his prayers that he had on the verses with uh, Snoop. Uh, a couple of months ago or a month ago. And it starts by saying, Father, please walk with us through the bad times as well as the good. May we be heard and understood from the suburbs to the hood. May you judge us by our hearts and not our mistakes. See, we get our breakthrough however long it takes. May you fill that void in our souls that will lay our fears to rest, but there's no way we can live for Jesus when we live in the flesh. So I pray you allow our spirits to be born, grow strong, move on, know right from wrong. First John chapter two, verse 15. I know the world and everything in the world and we know what that means. We know the distance to go, excuse me, to be away from fire, to keep it missing. But that doesn't mean it will listen. Lord, take care of fools and babies. Teach women to honor their men and men to respect their ladies. But lately, so many of us have gone astray, doing wrong for so long that we've forgotten the way. Please bring us back home. It's still in in us, the world, which is our backbone. We just children that act grown. There's so much we are entitled to yet we receive so little because in this time of spiritual warfare, we're comfortable in the middle. So I pray that you open our eyes, give us the anointing to to recognize the devil and his lies. If we keep our actions wise, our prayers sincere, our heads to the sky, you will diminish our fears in the name of Jesus. We pray. Man, that dude was truly anointed like that that's crazy you know 50 years old to lose somebody like that another another soldier man yes yes well today we have our guest marcellus sanderson he is a wholesaler and you used to be is a mortgage broker is that right yeah i was a loan officer loan officer okay so um, he comes with a wealth of knowledge. We are definitely going to enjoy this interview today. We have tons of questions <laughs> about how the wholesaling process works. Um, if we'll just start off, you could just tell us a little bit about who you are, not what you do, but who you are. All right. All right. Um, first off, uh, my name is Marcella Sanderson, as uh, Kendra said, and um I don't know who am I. I am a son of Phyllis Jones and Willie Sanderson, grandson of Alberta Belcher and great grandson of Beauty Jones. And uh, that is important to me because where I come from and uh, those who poured into me is 100% what makes me what I am today, a loving father. uh, doing my best to be a good servant to things that are good 
and uh, you know, a, a true grinder uh, to, to keep on pushing forward and, and, you know, see progress everywhere that I possibly can. So, I mean, I, I, I'm a Gemini and uh, I'm not big into the um, uh, Zodiac <laughs> stuff, but from what I've learned about Gemini's, I'm a Gemini, true to sense of the word. So very multifaceted, <laughs> hard to sum myself up inside of a minute or two, but if I had to, that would be it. Great Man. grandson, grandson, son, father, husband, and, uh, you know, just trying to do my best to do my best. Uh, that's great. Hey, that's <laughs> everywhere. <God>. Right. <laughs> we everywhere. <laughs> One queen, two sides. Okay. <laughs> um, and I just want to celebrate y'all. I love seeing, because before like all this, y'all didn't know each other. And it's really difficult to get Black men together. Sometimes, you know, when they don't feel comfortable, you know, like, hey, I ain't messing with him. I don't know him. You know, I don't know him like that. But the camaraderie that you and my husband have, Ramon has, it's it's applaudable. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. I just love to see um, Black men setting an example of healthy relationships that you have between, you know, husband and wife and you have that that brotherhood and, you know, and you both are in business. You're both in business for yourself. So congratulations to both of y'all. <laughs> and again, thank you. Thank you. And, and just to real quick, um, you know, off of that, like that's real man-ish right there. Right. Real man-ish right there. You know, uh, uh, brothers being able to recognize other brothers and not have their own ego get in the way or what they the, the strengths that they see in another person to intimidate them and prevent them from collaborating and growing and extracting as much out of that person as they have to give is what you feel you have to pour into them. So, you know, that's uh, to everything that you said. And I think Ramon will agree. That's just uh-huh. real men being real men. Right, brother? <laughs> hey, yes, Thanks, man. It's so hard to, like you said, it's like we want to compete with each other and instead of getting together and actually, you know, building something. So right. You know, right. It, it can be a struggle. Yeah, we just a couple of real brothers out here, you know, saluting each other. Hey, that's it. That's it, bro. Yes. Well said. Well said. All right. So um now is the time to tell us about what you do because wholesaling is for me, is super confusing. So it is, it is confusing for me because I'm like, okay, what happened to the contracts? It goes from one person to the, is it legal? Like there's a whole bunch of questions that I have and Ramon, he answers them for me, but I'm kind of like, okay, but this, and he's like, you just need to talk to somebody who does it. So (laughs) if you could explain um, what it is that you do and how you got started, that would be great. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, it is as simple as Ramon probably says that it is, um, but at the same time, it is also as um, complicated as what Kendra says that it is. It's not an either or. It's really a this and that. Both of those things are true. And um, for me, I would uh, um, 
So to first answer the question of what is wholesaling, I would say that I myself wouldn't box myself into just being um, a wholesaler. Um, I would say that I'm a real estate investor and wholesaling is one of the methods I use to invest and um, make money within real estate. Um, real estate, I think, in my opinion, is one of the most versatile assets that there are next to steel. And what I mean by that is you can take a piece of steel and that can become a spring. It can become a head, uh, a bed frame, um, you know, the inner workings of a piece of machinery. But there are so many different things you can do with it. Well, real estate is the same way. Mm -hmm. It can become a property that you live in in order to start your generational wealth is something that we talk about amongst um, our community, um, but also amongst everyone is that that is the entryway into generational wealth and longevity and financial longevity is home ownership in and of itself. So it's the property that you live in. It could be a rental property that you're making money off of. It could be a property that you buy just for the purpose of hanging on to it. Don't even do anything to it. Just hang on to it like a piece of stock and then later sell it for a profit just and you earn all of that money simply by having the property itself. Or it could be a property that you purchase with the intentions of reselling in a short amount of time what they would, you know, everybody calls a flip. Um, so through all of those methods, one that is not often talked about is wholesaling. Um, the question of is this legal comes up often. Having a background in mortgages um, and, and really being a student of the game, no matter what game I'm in, when I learned about wholesaling, conceptually, I knew it made sense. Meaning in a wholesale transaction, you have um, a seller and a buyer like any other normal transaction, but then you have this person in the middle that connects those two together. And um, they do this through the means of, uh, say, Ramon, you're my buyer or my seller. Hey, Ramon, you have this property over there. You're interested in selling it? Yes. That's step one of the wholesale transaction is find a seller. We put a contract in place. I then call Kendra, who is also looking to buy some property. Hey, Kendra, I have a property over here at 123 Main Street, three bedroom, two bathroom, split level home, 2,200 square foot, $190,000. Would you be interested in picking up the assignment on this contract? You say, yeah, great. Keyword in there is the assignment of the contract. So this initial contract that I set up with Ramon, I am now going to assign to Kendra. And it's just like an assignment like you think of anything else. You go to school, you get assigned a locker. That's yours. You know, uh, teacher hands you an assignment. That's yours. Well, what I've done is taken this contract that I've set up with Ramon and now assigned my interest to Kendra. So when Kendra makes a purchase, she isn't purchasing the property. What she's buying is the rights to this contract. And inside that contract uh, and inside that price includes the original purchase price of the property, as well as the assignment fee that comes to me, the wholesaler in the transaction. And that is the whole piece of it. So step one, 
have a person that's looking to sell. Step two, put a contract in place. Step three, assign your interest in that contract to the end buyer, what's called as the end buyer. And then step four is you close. Kendra brings in the $190,000 that she agreed to purchase this contract for. Me and Ramon, when we discussed the sale of his property and me purchasing it, he agreed to sell it to me for $170,000. So Ramon's going to get his $170,000 we agreed to sell the property for. The $20,000 in the middle is now my assignment fee that I walk away with. And now that transaction is complete. Kendra now oh. owns 123 Main okay. Street. Ramon now has $170,000 in the bank. And Marcellus has helped facilitate this for both parties to find exactly what they were looking for. Oh, okay. okay. So, you know, <laughs> well, not all of them. Individual results may vary. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my friend. So you started, like you said, as, as a loan officer, correct? Mm -hmm. So how did you... How did you, you know, go from being a loan officer to wholesaling in real estate versus all, like you said, all the other uh, professions in real estate? Like, why did you pick wholesaling specifically? Uh, no, great question. Um, so I was a loan officer for about 13 years. I went through the 2008, 2009 credit crisis, mortgage meltdown thing. And actually, I uh, got out of the industry shortly after that because I wanted to get into being an underwriter. I liked the, the processes of everything, the, the guidelines, actually knowing the reason why behind the things you had to do. Um, so then I, uh, you know, several years went by, but I transitioned from being a loan officer to being a bank manager, from being a bank manager to being an underwriter. Um, and then I was an underwriter for a while and got married in 2019. And as of, uh, sheer desire to give my wife more than what we already had and to fulfill what I thought were my duties as a man to grow her life. Um, I started looking for, hey, how can I start making more money in my part time? You know, I was working for FEMA at the time as a flood insurance underwriter. Make, you know, but collectively, we had a great household income, but I wanted to give her more. We needed a little bit more. So what can I do in my spare time? Um, and which is a great segue to wealth and what we consider wealth to be but your time is an asset that you can utilize to earn money and that's clear when you think of your dot your hourly wage twenty dollars per hour says i'm using my time and yeah, now absolutely. selling it to someone at a rate of twenty dollars per hour that's what i'm selling my time for so if you can take your part time and turn it to money as well well now you're becoming more wealthy because you're using this asset and getting more money out of it. So anyway, started looking for what I can do and stumbled across wholesaling. Saw the concept. You have to assign a contract and make your money in the middle. It made sense. So I was like, let's go ahead and give it a try. And that was January or so of 2020. Like I said, married in October, 2019, started looking for what to try, stumbled across wholesaling, found it. And then I just got off to the races, started making phone calls, tons of phone calls, closed my first deal in March, um, turned a really good profit on it to the point that I started looking at my time and work and started realizing this is not the most profitable use of my time. <laughs> how much money did it, how, how much time did it take me to close this wholesale transaction? How much money did I make? Break that down per hour. 
well, my hourly wage started to look like I was getting underpaid. So I quit. <laughs> May. May of 2020, I quit and haven't looked back. It's been, a, it's been great since then. Wow. Congrats. So that was kind of the transition from loan officer to real estate investor. Since then, I've uh, purchased homes, flipped them, um, completed more wholesale transactions, and hope to start building up a rental portfolio. Okay. Yeah, that's dope, man. Hey, that's like something that everybody want to do. They're like, man, I do wholesale and I quit my job? Like, Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. It ain't for everybody. Right. Um, because not everybody's willing to bet on themselves, but coming from a history yes. of working 100% commission, you know, I, I've always been willing to bet on myself. Matter of fact, my first job that I quit, I was uh, selling magazines and my commission checks were bigger than my hourly wage. So I go to my boss and ask him if we can rework my pay structure to pay me something closer to like how uh, waitresses get paid. Give me $5, $4, $3 an hour, whatever, um, and then pay me a larger split on the commissions. He, I was, I don't know, 22 at the time, maybe, but um, he looked at me like I was, you know, a little crazy. Like, like his look was very dismissive of the idea in general, to where I knew it was a moot point with no point in trying to circle back around to it. I quit the job within a couple of weeks, <laughs> went to go be a loan officer, and I immediately started looking in the newspaper for uh, 100% commission jobs. This is back when you found a job by opening up the Kansas City Star. <laughs> right. You'd have to open up a newspaper. Right. No indeed, yeah. no monster jobs, none of that. I'm, I'm 40 y'all. So um, yeah. Um, anyway, and, and stepped out to work 100 percent commission. So I'm willing to bet on me. And mm -hmm. if you're gonna do wholesaling, you have to be willing to bet on yourself and put forth the work that it takes to make this happen. So, so with that, do you do wholesaling? Are you doing it full time or are you doing a part-time and, and is there kind of a difference if somebody getting into it do they need to be doing it like full-time like a nine-to-five or like how does that work and what do you do hmm that's a great question man um i would say well real estate investing is my full-time job because i don't have nothing else uh, there is no other safety nets uh -huh. it's, it's either i made money in real estate or i didn't make no money at all right um but I say it's a really interesting question because I don't work full time compared to what full time used to be full time from what most people understand is 40 hours a week. I know I don't work no 40 hours a week, not even close. Um, part of what I wanted out of being uh, being self-employed is having my freedom, having my time, being able to do with my time, whatever I want. Um, and really earn my leisure, as they say. Um, so I, I, how do I put this? Everybody's used to working for an hourly wage. And or, and then sometimes we start thinking about uh, annual wages, you know, 100,000, $200,000, $300,000 a year, whatever the case may be. But if you can make, I don't know, $2,000 an hour, well, maybe you don't want $300,000 a year. Maybe you just want to be able to work three hours a day two days a week and have the rest of your time to yourself. Mm -hmm. That's $12,000 a month. Mm -hmm. That's $100,000 a year. Is that $300,000? No. But I'll work six hours a week, 24 hours a month to make six figures. Yeah, I could do that. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so you start asking, you know, does a person have to do wholesaling full time? No. What they should do is ask themselves, what is it that I want? Do I want the very most money I can absolutely make? Because then you need to be wholesaling, you know, 100 hours a week, make a million, several million. Or do I want to find the proper balance in between the money I need to live the life I want? And the time I want to have to myself and my family to really enjoy this money, take a trip, take a vacation, take a month, take a month somewhere. So full time, it's all relative, you know, but what you need to do is put forth the time, effort and energy that it takes to make the money that you're looking to make. For me, that's going to average to about 10 to 15 hours a week. Yeah, man. I know how some people, when, you know, when I tell them about real estate, like you said, like, I'm all in it. And so, like, I don't feel like I have days off. I don't feel like, you know, I'm full-time, part-time. It's like, even if I'm not doing something, I'm thinking about real estate. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. it's popping my laptop open, looking at something, you know, that's work, but it's something I enjoy, so I don't, you know, I don't get mad about it. Now, when I got to go clock in right. at work, I'm pissed before I even get there, you know, so. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's different. It's definitely yeah. different, man. Uh, so, yeah, all right. So tell us, like, you kind of hint on it a little bit. So kind of tell us, like, how do you uh, how do you find something to wholesale? And, like, what's the process? Right. So that is the, 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 the magic key for everybody is how do you find a motivated seller? Um, and it's no different than being a real estate agent and finding homes to list. You just have to hustle. There's a thousand, I mean, well, maybe not a thousand, but there's a lot of different ways to do it. Everything I've learned, I've picked up on YouTube and watching videos and buying books. Be a student, you know, uh, um, you know, be, be willing to go on the journey of discovery to learn, the th learn these things because there's so many different ways to do it. Along your journey, you'll find the one that you're most adapt to and what fits you the best that you feel comfortable and confident doing because without that confidence you will start this and finish it just as fast mm. like anything else that relies on you so i would say you know really dive into the learning aspect of it to find what's right for you but for me when it comes to finding sellers i'm just beat the beat the streets and i do what's called driving for dollars i just drive around and look for houses that I think somebody might want to potentially sell that home. Um, now, uh, you look on YouTube videos for driving for dollars. You'll hear about look, finding distressed properties, busted down properties. Well, I don't want to flip a busted down property. That's good for some people. They want to buy the most ran down thing they can and start from the studs out. Brand new electrical plumbing and the whole nine. I want to find a really nice home that's just really outdated. Maybe it was purchased 30 years ago in a generation of my parents where a person bought a home and they stayed there all their life, like Big Mama's house. Mm -hmm. Been in the family 40 years, you know. Mm -hmm. um, they bought it in 1970 and it still looks like 1970. But this is the generation of people who took care of their stuff to make it last. Mm -hmm. Things weren't so disposable, you know, so house is in great condition. It just needs a ton of updating. So when it comes to giving them an offer, obviously, it's not going to be the same price as the house that sold down the street because that one was fully updated. 
this one needs a lot of work. So you're able to find the opportunity there to get a cheaper price and do that work, build in the equity in order to sell it off and flip it. Well, that's what those investors are looking for. There are investors out here every day looking for these opportunities, but they are spending their time working on a house. If I'm a house flipper, that's all I do. Well, I'm working on houses. That's what I'm doing all day long. I'm relying on my real estate agent to provide me with opportunities to buy new houses. Well, your real estate agent, you're not the only person she works for. She works for other people who are also looking to buy houses. So she's not calling you every day. I'm in business to just look for houses. So I'm driving around all the time and we could be on our way to the grocery store. But if I see a beautiful uh, neighborhood with this one little blemish in it, hang a left right quick and go write that address down so I can call them later. Like, you know, hey, would you consider an offer on that home? And they'll say yes or no. So that's how I find them. Um, I use a website called Ben Verified. You pop in the address. It'll tell you who owns it. That's Ben verified.com uh, b-e-e-n you know b-e-e-n verified.com um and you can get all the find the owner's information you know if it's still the same person you know you'll still be able to reach them and give them a call and just ask them would you like to sell your home they'll say yes or no they say no i'll move on you know thank you for your time i'm polite and until a person says yeah and uh in my experience if you make enough phone calls eventually someone says yeah i would or they'd be like, how much you offer them? Anything besides a no is a good answer. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's how I find them. And I just make that call. And then it goes through that process, like I explained before. Contract, and buyer, assignment. Everybody gets paid. Mm. Mm. It sounds easy. It's yeah, it sounds easy. It is. Well, we're about to type it. Like, All right, so you said find the buyer. Well, <laughs> I mean, you, you've heard the quote before, I'm sure. What's easy to do is easy not to do. Yeah. It's yeah. easy to wake up and just head off to the gym and just walk three miles every morning. Just walk, walk, walk three miles every morning. It's easy. Over the course of a year, that's over 900 something miles that you don't walk. Easy. Mm. Also easy to roll back over and not do it too. Yeah. So the wholesaling thing, you know, you want to get out there, you drive, make your drives. You got to take the time to get out there and drive. Take the time to make those phone calls. Yeah. Take the time yeah. to, you know, deal with the rejection, deal with the nose. Um, more importantly, take the time to spend with the person to figure out what is a solution that actually works for them that would allow you to purchase that home so that you can then assign it. So, yeah, that's the hardest part too when you're being told no. Um, some people take it personally. So, you have to, you know, have enough confidence not to take it personally because they're not rejecting you, the person. They're just rejecting that offer. Well, I didn't want your ugly ass house anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, explain yeah, yeah. to us how you evaluate a deal. Um, well, here, I'm sorry. Bear with me one moment. I had something pop up on my window, just trying to clear it out here. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so it has to make money. Um, and this is where a lot of wholesalers begin to start really making mistakes is that they do not see themselves as 
investors. They only see themselves as wholesalers. So they're just um, taking shots in the dark until they hit a target, really. Um, but I look at the house. If I'm buying this with my money, how much do I want to make? Okay. And that's where I start evaluating this deal. First thing you need to look at is figure out how much could this house potentially sell for? How do I figure that out? Well, what is it already selling for in that neighborhood? Hop on Zillow.com, you know, change your filters to sold, you know, look in that area that you're in, whatever that zip code is or subdivision, pop it into your search and look to see what homes have sold for in that area. It tells you what the max sale is going to be. And then look at the house that you're evaluating and ask yourself, how much work is it going to take to make this house look like that one? Because I know this house will sell. It's already sold. People will buy that. How much work is it going to take to make this look like that? And how much money will it cost? So as an example, house will sell for 200 and 200,000. It's going to, based upon the house that you're looking at, it's going to take $40,000 to make that happen. Okay. Well, if I spend $40,000 of my own money in two to three months rehabbing this property, well, I want this to be worth my time. So I want, I'm going to want to make $30,000, $40,000. You know, 20 to 40 is usually the sweet spot for most investors. If they can make between 20 and $40,000 on a deal, they'll buy it from you. Okay. So $200,000 is what I know the house will sell for. It's going to take $40,000 worth of work. And the person wants to make 30. Okay. So $170,000 is the absolute most you're going to get somebody to buy it from you. Make sense? Uh-huh. They spend 170 with you or I'm sorry, 130. They spend $130,000 buying your contract. They spend $40,000 flipping the property. They sell it for 200. They're looking at a $30,000 profit. Now, those aren't exact numbers. I'm just making this simple. Right. So anyway, they're looking at a $30,000 profit. So if I can now sell this at 130 and I know that, where everything below that is my money. So if I can buy this house at 400, if I can get this house under contract for 100, I stand to potentially make 30,000. Oh. 110 is less, 115 is less, 120 is less, so forth and so on. So that's how I evaluate the deal as far as knowing where I need to be at on it. Okay. Yeah. So like that, so I was going to ask you, like, how do you, which you pretty much answered, uh, you know, how you would kind of set your fee, your assignment fee, right? If you say that most investors want 20,000 minimum to make on that deal. Well, I mean, once again, that that's going to change from investor to investor. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot that I'm leaving out and anybody who's done wholesaling the watches, this will know, but there's a lot that's being left out here. A lot of other factors that come in, but I don't want to make this too lengthy. Um, mm-hmm. But, but, you know, most investors, like I said, if they can make $20,000 on the deal and they're doing, and they're closing two to three properties a month, which would be, you know, pretty good. Well, they're making mm-hmm. 60 grand a month. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so yeah, but if they can make, you know, usually between 20 to 40, you know, you can get that deal. So you just have to learn your buyers and, and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. 20,000 a month. Yeah. Well, 
you know, this is actually a really good time to mention something about what wholesaling really, really is. Like I explained to you the definition, assignment of a contract and making the money in the middle. That's a wholesale transaction. Mm -hmm. But at its heart, what wholesaling really is, is your problem solver. Mm -hmm. There are investors out there who have money and are actively looking for properties that they can buy and either rent out or buy and sell. They're looking for them actively they have money they want to find them you know if you can help them find those properties they will happily give their money to you yes. happily mm -hmm. they, you, you, they won't be able to get it to you fast enough because you are now providing them an opportunity to do what it is they do which is buy and rent or buy and sell properties now there are also people out there in circumstances and in, in different situations that would like to sell their home, but have no idea that there are people that would actually like to buy it. Mm. They don't even know. They don't even know that. Many times you give a call to somebody, hey, would you consider an offer on that home? Are you serious? Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> don't hang up on me. Yes, I am serious. All right. You know, and, and, based upon what their needs are if what they need is inside the realm of what you're able to pay like on that example we worked math back you know if if what you needed out of this house was one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in that scenario well great i can give you that and i can now turn around and get it back over to this other buyer for 130 and make my 10 in the middle you know what i mean so when you mentioned earlier like how do i decide how much i'm going to make it's really based upon what the seller needs you know in order to make this sale a good transaction for them mm -hmm. and then what i think i can get it sold for because i don't ever want to try to take a seller and push them down on their number i don't mm -hmm. negotiate that way many that, that that's a me thing that's not yeah. a wholesaling rule that's a me thing i want to create opportunities for people because like i said at its heart wholesaling is a problem solving business you know i want to solve a problem for a person not give them a particular amount of money that makes me money if I can solve their problem, then great. Getting the home under contract is going to be easy. And if it's at a price that an investor can now solve his problem with, then getting it sold is also easy. Okay. That's good, man. Because, you know, I always, you know, me and Kendra always talk about this is like you have to make sure that everybody is happy with the turnout. Yes. The buyer got what they wanted. The seller got what they wanted, you know, and then you as a wholesaler got what you wanted. So nobody walks away from the deal feeling like they got got. You nope. Know? They're like, man, I, I should have never did that. So mm -hmm. I think that's very important that you say that because I think it is important going into the deal, not really thinking about the money, but thinking about, like you said, how can I solve this, this seller's you know, need? You know, how much would you like to get from this property? You know, and then all you said that aligns with what the buyer can make. And he's gonna make you know money off the deal, and then you like, all right, well, I'll just get my little fee in between that. So yeah, that yep. that's yeah, that's that's good. That's dope. I yeah, love man, it, it's it's a problem solving business. I mean, and a person will go broke trying to make money. Yeah. You will run yourself into the poorhouse trying to make money because money doesn't exist. If you chase money you will be chasing a, a, a fictitious, unobtainable 
goal because mm -hmm. what we spend every day, this is going to be off subject. I hope you don't mind me sharing it. No, no, no. Um, money is a concept. It's not a thing. Even though you can hold a $10 bill, a $1 bill or a hundred dollar bill in your hand and think of money as something tangible um, that actually only has value as long as America has value because a $10 bill does not buy today what it used to buy 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, I started getting gas. Gas was 98 cents a gallon. Same. Yeah. $10 was three quarters of a tank. Yeah. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. A $10 bill. <laughs> right. Riding a Honda, $10 bill got you a full right. tank of gas. Now, a $10 bill today does not get that same thing, right? No. Because it does not hold the same value. Mm -hmm. Because that thing in, in and of itself doesn't actually have any value. It's actually just something that you use to trade one thing for something else. Because you mm -hmm. cannot do nothing with money. You can't mm -hmm. clothe yourself with it. You can't eat it. You can't build a house with it. It can't shelter you. You can use it to get clothing. You can use it to get a house. You know what I'm saying? And you have to give up something else in order for somebody to hand you that. So it's really just a medium for which we use to trade. Because I can't give you three shirts in order for you to give me back 12 socks. That ain't how it works. Um, <laughs> but I can give you seven bucks, though. It's just something that you use for trading. So that's a really important thing for people to recognize is that money does not have value. It just is something that we use for trading. So don't chase the money chase the things that are actually valuable mm -hmm. because that is where you make money at is by providing value Amen. the more value you provide the more money somebody will hand you but the more money you try to make the less the less you focus on value and the less value you actually end up providing and the less money you actually end up getting that makes sense. Oh, yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> right. So, like I said, if you have a deal that an investor can look at and see themselves making 20, 30 grand, well, that has value to them. It doesn't matter how much you're asking them for. Mm -hmm. Fix their guidelines of how much money they can make. They're going to, hey, yep, yes, yes, I'll take it. Yep, thank you. How soon can we close? And if the money that I'm buying this house for fits that seller's needs, like say, for instance, I don't know, they're, I don't know, they have a mortgage, they're behind six months, they owe $90,000 on the house, and they need, you know, to be able to pay the mortgage off, walk away free and clear, and they need to get $15,000 to both facilitate a move and have a little money in the bank. They will not sell their house for less than that. They'll wait till the bank kicks them out. So you basically need 105. Is that about right? Yep. So 107, if we can include the closing cost, so 110 makes this deal work. Mm. Yeah, it does. Great. The fact that there's a person out there willing to pay 130 for it is irrelevant because they don't know them. Mm. They're not looking for them. What I'm giving you is something that fits your solution. And now, no more foreclosure. You're able to get your family moved and you got $10,000 in the bank. You're happy. Investor picked up an opportunity to make money. I provided value to you and I provided value to you. Everybody won. 
Mm-hmm. Now I get to make money. Provide value first. Wholesaling rule number one. Rule number one is fix problems. Rule number two is provide value. You do those very well and money will be easy. Mm. Man, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, I, I like that. That's a good principle to live by in everyday life. You know. Amen. I Amen just, to that. I real estate. Uh, so, you know, my question too is in at this time in the market where you know things is really crazy, like you know all over the country, there's a short supply of sellers, and there's a whole long list of buyers. Is do you think this would be a good time to get in a wholesaling? When would it ever be a bad time? That's true, but you know you do well, have the well, nature well, 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 real estate. You know they say, "Oh well, man, this ain't a good time to get in real estate." You know, and but I personally think you know it's going to be a good time to invest. Period. But uh, do you think for people who you know maybe just starting out, they think, "Hey, I might have a lot of competition," or I don't know if I'll be able to find the buyers. You know, it's going to be they they can say, that, "Well, that, hey, that person should not start. They shouldn't do this. <laughs> they shouldn't." Because you're already afraid that fear will consume your mind and distract you from the things you need to do to be successful, period. Fear will literally make your hands tremble. Fear will make your knees shake. A person can be so full of fear at delivering a speech or going on stage that they literally faint. That's true. Fear will make you do things that you are not trying to do. Right. If you are afraid, it's going to come across in your pitch. It's It's going to make you hesitant to make phone calls. There will be all these things that that fear will do to you that will lead to you being unsuccessful. That At the end of it, you will think wholesaling didn't work for you. No, that's not true. You didn't work for wholesaling because you were afraid. So if they're thinking those things, don't do it. Let me stop you right now. Stay at work. All right. If you're scared, go to work. (laughs) You feel right about that. (laughs) But there's a lot of security. Nothing wrong with going to work. Get you a good job. You can still, you know, be successful, whatever. But if you um, say to yourself, there are investors buying houses right now that are being flipped then you know that somebody's buying houses these investors aren't flipping these houses and not making no profit they're not flipping them for free and if you and if you question for one second whether or not investors are still flipping houses go look online right now at any of the go to zillow.com put on sold and start looking at the properties that have recently sold. If you see it says everything fully updated in all capital letters, new roof, new AC, brand new kitchen, da 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 da. I'm telling you right now that homeowner didn't be like, "Hey, babe, let's rehab our entire house so that we can sell it." No, no. That's an investor who bought a property, rehabbed it for a profit. The only question is, will you find that house before they find it themselves? Right. Chances are he probably bought that house from a wholesaler anyway. So, 
So the opportunities are still out there. And then you ask yourself, um, the second thing that you said, is it going to be too competitive? You know, um, I don't know. I haven't ran into much competition myself. Um, but at the end of the day, I still say to myself, I know the deals are happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to be the most talented. I'll have to be as the hardest working. Mm-hmm. You know, I, all I got to do is I, I don't have to be the best pitcher. All I have to do is throw enough pitches. If I if I'm a ball hog and I'm shooting 90 percent of the shots that our team has taken. Well, I'm going to have more points than everybody. Now, we might lose the game because I might suck, but I'm still going to have more points than everybody because I'm shooting 90 percent of the shots. Does that make sense? So if I'm out here making more phone calls than anybody, it don't matter how much competition is out there. I'm going to see more opportunities than them because I'm making more phone calls. So if you're worried about competition, but you do believe you can make money here, just be willing to outwork your competition. Mm-hmm. Hard work will beat talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like one too many times. So is it a good time to start wholesaling? Well, are investors still flipping properties? If the answer is yes, then the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need money to um, start wholesaling? And uh, if so, like how much money would you suggest? That's, that's technically no. Okay. Technically no. Um, if you look on any uh, states like um, uh, local any state's government website you can look at like all of the laws that are on the books well three things that it takes for a um contract to be valid two willing participants that are capable of you know making a decision you must be negotiating something of value like a house and there must be money exchanged without any money being exchanged there's nothing of value invested by either party Therefore, your contract isn't an enforceable one because nobody stands to actually lose anything for failure to complete it. So any contract that you've ever signed, whether it's for a phone, cell phone, cable, whatever, you always must pay some type of money, whether it's an application fee or whatever, because those are the three components that requires to have a legally binding and enforceable contract. So the only money you need in this process is the money that you put up to make your contract legal, and that's called an earnest money deposit. And that can be as little as you negotiate it to be, $10, $5, or 1000 So how much mm-hmm. money do you need? 10 bucks at minimum, some gas money to do some driving, $50 to sign up for Ben Verified. It'll get you a three-month subscription. You can skip trace as many phone numbers and addresses that you want. Um, I don't know, the $50 a month for your cable internet bill so you can be able to hop on the internet and hundred dollars a month to get your cricket phone. <laughs> yep. A wholesaler starters package. Wholesaler starter packet. I, hey. I've told people before, if I got a thousand dollars in my pocket, you can drop me off in any city anywhere in the United States. And within 90 days, I'll have $40,000 in the bank. That's a fact. At least 20, at least 20. And only reason why I say I need a thousand dollars is because if you drop me off in anywhere USA with a thousand dollars, first thing I'm going to do is go find me a cheap motel that has Wi-Fi. Second thing I'm going to do is go to a pawn shop and buy me a laptop. Third thing I'm going to do is go to a 
gas station or wherever and buy me a cheap cellular phone. And then I'm going to need the rest of my money to pay for food and, you know, be able to eat every day. With those three things, I can walk around if need be and write down addresses. Get a bicycle, ride around and write down addresses. Go back to my room, sign up for Ben Verified, pay the 50 bucks and start skip tracing and use that phone and start making phone calls. And within 30 to 45 days, I'll have something under contract. And within probably 20 days of that, I'll be looking at some money. So put a thousand dollars in my pocket and drop me anywhere in the United States within 90 days. At most, I would say I'll have 20 grand or more in the bank and I'll fly myself back home. <laughs> See, that's some confidence. And yeah. so, um, when you work for yourself, it's when you come from a background that you're being told, okay, you know, you need to go work hard, go to school, get a good job, get a good career. <clears throat> Excuse me. Basically, you know, giving your time, as you said before, to someone else. But when you out here hunting for your own food, man, and you hungry, you think about stuff like that. Like, hey, if you drop me off here and I ain't got nothing but a thousand, I'm going to make some stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Just watch me work. You know, you never know your capabilities until your back is against the wall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 100%. That's true. Well, man, um, so, I mean, you obviously, you know, how, well, first of all, I don't know if we, we asked you, like, how long have you been doing wholesaling? Uh, so I started January of last year, so I guess we could say like a year and three months now. Oh, wow. I mean, a year and three months. And you went to YouTube uh, University for education, too, right? <laughs> yep. Yep, I was just heading out to YouTube, uh, watching a ton of videos. Um, you know, I'm a student first, you know. Um, you know, they say knowledge is power, but it's applied knowledge that's power. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, strength is only strong when it does something with it. Um, so anyway, yeah, I learned a bunch of stuff. But um, you'll learn in these videos if you go on YouTube and stuff, you need to take immediate action take immediate imperfect action you will learn along the way make phone calls don't be thinking about getting a script well i need to get my llc first let me get save up my money for that Uh, or let me get a good script or uh, let me get a good contract if you don't have anybody looking to sell you a house fool you don't need a contract (laughs) (laughs) and you don't need an llc (laughs) you don't need a contract until somebody says, yes, I will sell you my house. And once that happens, you'll find your contract real fast. Don't trust me, trust me, trust me, you will. All that other stuff is just fear holding you back from doing what you know you need to do, which is pick up the phone and make a phone call. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. What's the best way to grow your wholesaling business? Consistency. Continue making phone calls continue making phone calls, continue making phone calls. Everybody talks about scaling. Um, so so there's a difference between being self-employed and being a business owner, okay? Uh, a self-employed person still has a job. They're still employed, as the name says. You're just employed by self, but you still have a job. What does that mean? I still have something I have to do in order for money to get made. If I stop doing this thing, no more money gets made. I'm self-employed. 
If I stop making phone calls, no money gets made. If I stop driving around looking for properties, no money gets made. I have a job. That's my job. A business owner is one who owns the business and they take the lion's share of the profits, but everybody else is doing the work. Mm -hmm. So when you say, how do you grow your business? Everybody discusses scaling. It's not something I'm interested in right now. I like what I'm doing enough that I like to keep doing it. But um, you say hire a virtual assistant. You can see this kind of stuff on YouTube. I don't have personal experience with it, but um, hire somebody to start making phone calls for you. Develop yourself a good script that's working because you're using it yourself. You know, it's working, but you just hire somebody else to make these phone calls for you. Hire somebody to actually go out to the appointments and look at the house, evaluate the property and talk to the seller to negotiate a price. Hire somebody to find buyers for you to assign your contracts to. And then just wait for all this stuff to happen and you just make the money. So when you can grow your business is having more people calling, more people going out on appointments and more people dispositioning your properties. If you have 10 people all closing, you, you have 10 people calling, two people going out appointments and two people dispositioning your deals and you're closing 10 deals a month. Well, if you just make 30% of the money, that's 30% of the money for doing absolutely nothing besides managing these people. So that's how you grow. That's what they call scaling. Yeah. You know, um, like McDonald's having one location and then creating another one and 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 another one. And now we're going to sell off our franchises. Have your own McDonald's. You just have to pay us X amount of dollars a month for using our name and all that kind of stuff. Well, now McDonald's makes that money for doing nothing. They don't have to hire <laughs> employees. They don't have to provide the insurance. They don't have to do nothing. But just make the money. So... Uh -huh. So that's how you grow your wholesale business. But me personally, I'm growing mine just by staying consistent, making more phone calls, um, getting better at what I do through my consistency so that the phone calls I make, I end up yielding more contracts out of them, um, getting better at my negotiations and, and evaluating the needs of people so that the more appointments I go on, the more contracts I'm able to get by finding the problem, finding the problem I need to fix. And um, getting better with working with buyers. So that way, when I need to sell a contract, I have buyers that are lined up, salivating at the mouth, waiting for my phone call. Hey, man, it's Marcellus. Great. Been waiting to hear from you. You got something? Yes, I do. So oh. that's how I'm growing my business is by staying consistent. And um, yeah. So yeah. With, with all the experience that you've gained in this last year, yeah, going, yeah, about a year. Do you think it's easy for you to teach someone to do it? Yes. Very. So if I ain't know anything about real estate. See how to do it. Hands <laughs> up. As a, I, as a realtor. I can show this I, to I, <laughs> I can show this to anyone. You see? But, but at the same time, a person doesn't need me. It's gotten to the point where I know how valuable the information that I have that like the stuff that I've picked up over the last year, yeah. which, um, which I'll, as we talk about that year, because people will watch this and, you know, be like, man, you did all that in a year. Please be mindful that this is the culmination of a life. If you've ever seen that movie, uh, um, um, Slumdog Millionaire, 
He was mm -hmm. able to answer all those questions because of all these instances that he's had in his life. I was a loan officer for 13 years. So for 13 years, I looked at real estate in the terms of risk, not opportunity. Mm -hmm. As a bank, you have to evaluate that piece of real estate. I've seen a ton of appraisals. I've seen a ton of inspection reports. I know what makes value in a home because that's what I used to do for a living when evaluating a home because we're going to lend money on it. I was an underwriter for a really long time, so I'm really big on guidelines and processes. I know sales contracts. I've seen thousands of them. So I did have a, a, a lifetime of experience that almost made me suited for this. But do you need all that stuff? No. Mm. no. Um, it's, I just was fortunate that I stumbled across wholesaling and I'm able to now take all this lifetime of experience and apply it to something with pinpoint accuracy. Um, but yeah, can I teach anybody to do this? 100%. Man, hey, well, you know what? I, I should say, I got a quick question real quick. Uh, have you have you got any, uh, gotten to any fights with any real estate agents? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of that because, you know, you got some, like, kind of explain that because you might have some people say, well, why wouldn't you just go be a real estate agent? You know, and like, what's the difference? Like, you know what I mean? You wholesaling this kind of like, hey man, y'all taking our money, you know. So give me your, your piece on that, you know. Um competition. The only people afraid of competition are the people who are, I don't know, unable to rise to the level. You know what I mean? Those are the only people. Matter of fact, there you don't find a lot of wisdom on Facebook. There have been a couple of memes that I've come across. It was like, I like that. One of them said, um, when a leader how did they phrase it it was something like when a leader walks into a room other leaders um admire them uh -huh. um followers hate them and snakes despise them uh -huh. you know um so like i don't know michael jordan salutes lebron james michael jordan has a deep respect for Kobe Bryant because game recognized game um, winners want to see winners win period. The only people that don't are the people that are envious of that person's wins because they cannot do it themselves. So they're envious and they're mad. So any fights with real estate agents now, man, I'm blind to the BS. You know what I'm saying? I'd swim right past them. Um, anybody mad at me for making my money, all I can say is, yo, it ain't going to fill your pockets watching mine. Amen. Watch my pockets ain't never going to pay your bills. So <laughs> right. know what to tell you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, but uh, you'll have agents that um, feel like wholesalers are doing something illegal or whatever. It's like, let me explain to you. So remember I told you wholesaling is nothing more than assigning your interest in, in your contract to another person. Okay. That's all that it is. I have a contract and then I have a second contract that assigns my interest to this other person. All right. Um, Banks are doing wholesale deals by the thousands every day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Everybody knows that most mortgage banks sell their loans, right? Um, Anybody unfamiliar with that? No, no. Well, like, how, how do you sell a loan? Like, how, because a loan isn't, it's not a notebook. 
can't hand it over. So how do you sell it? You know, you ask somebody that and most people will be like, I don't know. But then from my time in the mortgage industry, I know that every bank has what's called a mortgagee clause. Google that if you'd like. But that is like their the way they their name needs to appear according to their legal documents. And the way that it will say is U.S. Bank, it's assignees and or successors. Mm-hmm. What that mean is this loan belongs to U.S. Bank. It's assignees, anybody that they assign their interest to or their successors, anybody that succeeds them, you know, like, like, you know, your own successors, like an heir or something like that in this transaction. So when a bank sells a loan, what they do is take their interest in the contract that they have with the borrower, that contract that is your note that says I borrowed $100,000 from you at 3% interest rate. I'm going to pay you payments for the next 30 years. They assign their interest to another bank mm-hmm. just like a sales contract mm-hmm. that's how a loan is sold one bank takes that contract and assigns it to another bank for a particular amount and the money that they make is now an assignment fee no different than any piece of real estate right. anything that i'm doing so is this legal 100 <laughs> percent that's how banks are making money by i mean thousand times a day every single day now you're right because a lot of people don't know that most banks uh sell that they package all these loans together and sell it to the open market you know whether it's fannie mae or freddie mac you know investors so that's why they have all their uh what they call overlays mm-hmm. and they have all the the requirements of your credit score and all that stuff because they have to, it has to look good for who they about to sell it to? Same, yeah. You know, they said, "Oh, your credit score could be 580." Like, no, nah, we need a 620 to be in this package. So, you know, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. But yeah, right. But what they're actually selling is a contract because that's all mm-hmm. that a loan is—is is a contractual mm-hmm. obligation to pay someone back based upon these terms that are spelled out in this contract. Mm-hmm. I am loaning you $100,000 at 3% interest, amortized on a 12-month term um, at X amount to be paid back in 30 years mm-hmm. in equal installments of X amount of dollars per month for 360 months. That is a contract. And when they sell your loan, along with all the other, other ones, like you said, that they put in the package, when right. they sell your loan, all they did is take all those contracts and assign them to this new person. Uh-huh. We're going to assign our interest because when, when your loan gets sold, nobody gets a brand new contract right. that says, hey, so now you have a contract between so-and-so and so-and-so. No, that doesn't happen. They just assigned their interest over to a new person. And now you're contractually obligated to pay that new person because they are now the owners of the contract. Yeah. Just like a wholesale transaction. (laughs) Like when I, when I found out about this, like I said, my history is what let me know, like, no, wait, this makes sense. Um, No, this is just like selling a loan. Okay, so I'm just selling the sales contract. Okay, all right, yeah. And from there, I'm like, yeah, let me start putting my time into it. 
Right. So, made so some money. I said, I'm quitting my job. I'm putting more time into it. So, look, we got, I got a bonus question, you know, because everybody going to want to know, you know, especially black folks, you know, we got, hey, we want to see if he legit, you know what I'm saying? But, no, uh, this game, you ain't got to give us no specifics. But what's like the least amount of money that you made wholesaling? And what do you say would be like the most that you made? And like, and how, how, how much time? Um, well, you can do ranges, like if you were yeah, to yeah, you five thousand. Know, I'll put it like this. I'll put it like this. I will make whatever I'm able to make on a wholesale deal because, in all in all, it's probably going to take me, I don't know, three hours worth of total work. So if I can make three thousand dollars for three hours worth of my time, that's worth it to me. Um, if you are investing 10 hours a day for, uh, you know, I'm sorry, 10 hours a week, four weeks a month, and you're consistent in your activities, I would say a person could reasonably stand to make $20,000, 10 to $20,000 a month. Easy, easy. Um, and I, when I started negotiating my deals, cause like I said, I didn't think to myself, how much money did I want to make? I thought to myself, what does this person need? And I was asking questions and that's how we came to our price. When I got it under contract, I didn't know how much I would be able to sell it for. You know, I just knew that this is how much this guy needed, you know? All right, let me see if I can make money. So I started looking in the market. We'll turn to find out what I put under contract for 70,000 was worth about 110. I end up getting it sold for 106, 106.5. So if you do the math, my first deal made me $36,500. Your first deal. Oh, so he, he said, I got a receipt. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I got receipts. Hey, go show the people. I, I, I used to have, bear with me one moment. That man said, I got this. Yeah, right. He so got a break and everything. This, this <laughs> used to sit back here. Okay, but we're selling our house. And when you're selling your house, you take down all your personal stuff. But right. um, this to me was like the equivalent of me getting a diploma. You know, it was like mm -hmm. this right here represents my new life. You know, you go to school, fresh out of high school, you go get your degree. Or you don't go to college and you start working a job, but you decide you want more out of life. So you go get your degree or you go get your real estate license or you go get your barber license, whatever. But when you get that thing that now allows you to do something new in life, you frame that thing. You're proud of it. Mm -hmm. That's what my check represented to me. So let's see. Oh, wow. And let me get a couple hundred until next week. He's silly, Ramon. <laughs> so that was my check and my deposit slip. $36,500 went into the bank. Um, two months later, I quit my job. I, uh, Me and my wife, like I said, got married October 2019. 
we had a plan to get all of our debt because, you know, you took on a whole bunch of debt, getting married, had a nice big old wedding, honeymoon, the whole nine. Uh, we had a two-year plan for getting all that stuff paid off. We had a, you know, three-year plan on us buying a home, uh, blah, 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 you know. But then I closed the wholesale transaction and we paid off every bit of debt that we had with the exception of car, student loans, and mortgage. Mm-hmm. Everything else got paid off. Zero debt besides student loans, vehicle, and mortgage. And I still had money left over, you know. Mm-hmm. We had a nice little nest egg inside the savings account and I'm going to work but now I'm sitting at work like looking at houses mm-hmm. try, trying to do my underwriter job and looking at houses and it just started eating at me I'm like babe uh, I want to quit I want to quit my job and she's like excuse me uh, what hmm? <laughs> I'm like here I tell you what here's six months worth of our total household expenses that's mine and your portion. Six months right here. So for, for six months, we're good with no money from nobody. I'm going to take the next three months to quit my job and go in, go, go at this thing. If I can't make more money happen within three months, I still have another three months to find a job and get employed and get our money rolling. She said, okay, cool. Fortunately, it didn't take me another three months to make more money. That's an inspiring story. Like that really is. Like, well, how did that make you feel? Like for real? Like to know that you you could do that. Like, like you said, you framed that that first check. So obviously that was a big deal. Like, like what was your what what was your mind at? Like, how did it change your mindset? Like doing that. One, it made me grateful. Made me very grateful. Um, It made me um, more believing of what I thought was possible, you Mm -hmm. know, um, fear and faith are the exact same thing. It's a belief in something that you do not know to be real. Mm -hmm. You know, both of them, it is a belief in something that has not yet occurred. That is not yet known to be real or not. The only difference between the two is that one of them makes you feel bad and one of them makes you feel good fear will hold you from doing stuff fear is good you know deer i mean deer survive because they're so sketchy and fearful fear will it will keep you from doing something stupid but faith will lead you towards what is possible so what that check meant to me was possibility the possibility of us achieving these goals a lot quicker than what I thought me giving my wife the life that I wanted to give her. So I was excited. I'm the kind of person that all I need is opportunity and possibility. And I'll take care of the rest between me and my guy. We got the rest of them. Give me opportunity and possibility. And I'm off to the races, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So, with that said, what does wealth mean to you? Freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Until <laughs> my last days. That is you know, <laughs> that's so funny because people don't know how valuable time is. Mm. Like when you no longer have to punch a clock man, you just see the value in time. And now I'm like, please don't waste it. (laughs) I have no time for BS at all. 
because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to be out here getting it, you know? So, yeah. Mm, yeah. That. Time, it is, I mean, the most precious commodity that we have um, is time. And like taking that into consideration, I want to introduce a concept to, uh, to your audience that they say that there's only 24 hours in a day. And this is a construct that everybody has accepted as a reality. And it builds a border in your mind on what's possible because you can only do so much in a day. Mm -hmm. um, but you can actually have more than 24 hours in one day um, by buying time. Okay. Because, like you said, time is a precious, precious thing, very valuable, but it's also a commodity that can be purchased. So if I am going to put in four hours worth of work a day. That's four hours. If I got 10 other people that will also give me four hours of their time a day, that's 44 hours of work in a single day being done. Am I right? Yes. So when people say there's only 24 hours in a day, you can only do so much. What that is, is a construct that someone has already built in their mind. And they're now applying their reality on you because they can't see outside that box. Mm -hmm. You can have as much time as you can buy. That's to me what wealth is. The ability to do what I want, when I want, till from until the day that I can die, until the day that I die. I don't have that ability right now. I'm still just using my time, but when I can't afford it, I will buy somebody else's time yep. and use their time to now make me money. And then I will be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, until the day I die. <clears throat> I will be yep. buying, I'll be purchasing other people's time so that my time is used for whatever I want to do with it. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Like <laughs> I know, right? You gotta let that kind of fester a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. yeah let that let that one just sit in the room, marinate a yeah. little bit. <laughs> hey, that, hey, that was deep though. For real, like, like people don't really think about time like that, but yeah, that's it's true. I mean, just think about it. Think about a kid getting a paper route. You know, he's gonna make ten dollars a week on this paper route. You know, well, if he can convince his buddy to do, run his paper route for eight bucks. That guy just made $2 a week doing nothing. He mm -hmm. can actually go out and go pick up an extra paper route. Now that paper route is paying him $12 a week mm -hmm. until he can find somebody else to pick that one up too. Yeah. Max, that is very fast. Absolutely. But man, Marcellus, man, I appreciate you having this. Uh, well, hey, it was a pleasure. Man, is you know, girl, I love real estate. I mean, Kendra, you know, she's she mm -hmm. real <laughs> all day, all night. That's all I'm talking about. <laughs> so, look, I'll be talking to him. She's like, I gotta go to sleep. <laughs> I just love real estate and, and just getting into all the aspects of it, you know, because wholesaling is like one that you know a lot of people don't understand and, and they're not into it. So, just for you to just to hear you say, like, you know, what you know, like you said, it's not guaranteed, but. How much you you know you made on your first deal? I think that uh hopefully raise some people's you know uh, awareness and and especially with COVID you know we don't know what's gonna happen. So you know, <laughs> I put my job in the middle of a pandemic. 
Yeah. Man, that's big. May of that's last year. Like most people started leaving, being told they had to start working from home around March and April. Uh, and people are getting laid off. People are running to the hardest times of their lives. Uh, and I quit my job and started seeing some of the best time of my life. You know, it, what, what people see outside in the world does not have to be your reality. Do not get trapped into the constructs of what everyone else accepted. Ask yourself, well, what is possible? Yeah. What is possible? There's a quote that I read that I love that said, um, um, the proof you are able to do anything you imagine is found in the fact that you imagined it because your mind would not have served you an idea that it did not think was possible. Now, let's break that down real quick. If Unless you are a crazy person, and I, I, unless you're schizophrenic, have some type of mental disorder, you don't imagine things that aren't real. Most people don't spend their time imagining their ability to fly or what would they do if they could turn invisible. People don't spend their time thinking about that sort of stuff. The things you think about or the ideas that your mind is telling you is possible. Somewhere in your mind, it's already worked out. This is possible. Uh, the sheer fact that you had the idea of something that you might want to do is proof that you can do it. You just haven't figured out how yet. Uh, so just you need a TED it. talk. Huh? <laughs> you need a TED talk. What's that? You never heard of TED talks? I've heard of it. I don't know what it is. They're... Um, you know, a lot of people that do TED Talks are great orators. They've been through something. It kind of like, you know, like you said, that slum dog millionaire thing where he had all these experiences that was able to get him out of, you know, basically a, a, a situation. Right. Um, that kind of, you know, this hasn't just been about wholesaling, but it's also about, you know, being self-motivated and confidence and, you know, because... I think what happens with a lot of black people is that we're not confident enough to step out of, like you said, the construct, the, the box. Um, we just kind of get caught up in things like, you know what, I, I just this is just how it's been. You know, and then you have that one person that's like, well, that's how it's been and it works for them. But that's not working for me. Like, you know what I mean? I used to tell people, okay, I am not the type of person that can be managed by someone else. That doesn't mean that I can't work with people. I just prefer not to work for other people, right? So, um, but through the conversation, like different things are coming out, you know, you, you just kind of, you're motivating people. I mean, hell, you motivate me where I want to be like, okay, we're well, we going we gonna wholesale. Hey. You know, not because you say not because it's so easy to you, but because you've dedicated yourself to that. You know what I mean? And you've dedicated yourself to growing and you you I mean you're humble about it. You're like, I don't know everything. This is what works for me. These are my methods. And you know, I was working, you know, like you said, you were working when you started and you took a chance on yourself. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. Everybody isn't cut from the cloth to do that mm. you know but like you said you find something within yourself that dream or that vision 
that you have and you say, you know what, I'm going to step out on faith, faith, fear, whatever. And I'm just going to do it. You know what? F it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see how it works. If it don't work, guess what? I can I can go back and get a job. But for you and Ramon and myself, there's only plan A. That's it. Uh, (laughs) Plan A work. (laughs) Plan B is just a distraction from plan A. (laughs) Right. But for us, plan B has to make plan A work. You know what I mean? And you know what? Real estate, man. And the thing is, too, even if you love it like I do. There's still gonna be them ups and downs. There's still gonna be them them times you going through something and you almost question, is this is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Because man, it seems like everything is coming at you. But yeah. at the same time, I'd rather be going through that than like you said, than clocking in and having somebody telling me what to do. Yeah, you know, right. Which which I don't mind working. And for your entire audience, I would say that um, one thing that I learned is that. Um, not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur because if everyone's an entrepreneur who will support the business by way of employees, right? Right. We need employees. Um, But for anyone, no matter what course of life you're taking, do whatever it is you believe in, believe in the company you're working for, believe in the products you're selling, believe in the, uh, uh, the pursuits that you are, uh, believe in the, um, things you are pursuing, you know, uh, the goal, believe in the goals that you're pursuing, believe in them so that they will yield the fruit that you want from it, no matter what it is that you're doing. But for those who want to blaze, be the trailblazers, the one who want to create opportunity, please understand that once again, your wealth is directly tied to the value you bring others. That is how you will find your success. If you want people to work for you, you need to be paying them a wage that allows their life to be sustained. You must provide them value. If you want people to buy your product, it must be something that they will use and that they will give them value. You know, if you want someone to sell you their house, well, you need to find them value. So you need to be in the business of finding the value you can give others. Money will make itself. Nobody has to sell you on going to the grocery store. No, there's right. something of value at the grocery store. When you get up to the cashier, they don't have to be like, hey, did you know that we have a two for one in it? No, no. I'm already going to I'm going to give you this money willingly because the stuff that I'm buying has value. So the better you are at providing value, the more money you will make, whether you're an employee or an entrepreneur. The more value your company finds in you, the more money they will pay you, the more money you can demand, because that's more that you stand to withhold from them because you are value to them. So believe in whatever it is that you're doing as an employee or an entrepreneur, believe in it enough that you want to be active about providing value. The money will come. Promise. God will see to it. That's the way the universe was designed to work. Give, give first. Receiving comes automatically. Man, well, man, hey, that church, church. <laughs> tabernacle. You know, what I mean? uh, <laughs> this is a bad interview, man. Because man, I, I mean, I just like, like you said, give, giving people information and knowledge that they didn't know about, that they didn't think about. You know, because a lot of this wasn't wasn't given to us. Right. You know? 
we got to search for it. And it's really about breaking that generational curse, if you will. You know what I mean? Especially with real estate. I just feel like it's such a, a huge thing that people don't really understand how big it is, you know, because our parents, our grandparents, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they don't have no real estate, you know what I mean? And right. it was big back then when you had the land and you had all these acres and, and now it's gone. So uh, I think this is great, man. I mean, you, like she said, you gave a lot of information, man, just on life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not even just on life, it's on life and how to be and the values and, and just how to make yourself better. So, man, I appreciate Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I don't know if you want to share, you know, your socials with everyone because you do have a business. So how can our audience contact you with questions or, you know, this is your opportunity to promote. Yeah. Um, I'll be happy to help people. Um, you know, quick questions and things like that. Uh, you can reach me on Facebook, uh, Marcella Sanderson, M-A-R-C-E-L-I-S. Um, I don't have a business page of yet. Um, and it's like I do, but I'm not really doing anything with it. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Marcellus underscore official. Um, but yeah, if anybody has questions, feel free to reach out, direct message me, shoot me a message on uh, Facebook, help out whenever I can. Um, you know, I, I, I will say, excuse me. <laughs> I will say that uh, to your audience, anybody that, you know, if, if, I, I'm not sure when you guys plan on broadcasting this, but I'll say for, with, you know, within a week of your guys broadcasting this, if anybody says that they found me on here, then I'll take some time to answer questions and, uh, um, you know, give some guidance where I can. But as I mentioned earlier, I've now found the value in what I have. And I have tried giving advice before. Mm -hmm. somebody believes in something, you know, show it, show yep. you believe in it, invest your money. I'm going to charge people for time. Um, and it's not so that I can take your money. It's so that you can be vested in your own interests. You need to invest uh, in yourself, you know, have some skin in the game as they say. So, but, uh, yeah, for like a week after, you know, you guys get this posted, I'd be happy to, you know, take any questions from your audience and help out where I can. Hey man, get that get that wholesaling course uh, cracking, man. You yeah, me and my cousin, yeah. me and my cousin are working on it. I got a cousin; he's uh, 15 years in the business. He has, um, you know, a great multifamily business. He is uh, an investor. He buying holes. He does some flips, but his thing is buying and holding. Between him and I, just combined, there's just such a wealth of knowledge, and we we working on a course right now. Okay, so, okay. stay tuned oh, for yeah. that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, Congratulations, and I know it will definitely support that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That would be dope, man. Well, Don't thank you to our audience, too, for taking the time to listen to the Soul Wealth podcast and stream today. I am Kendra. And Ramon. And we thank our guest again, Marcellus Anderson with the Precision Property Group, LLC. Please remember to subscribe, leave comments, love us, a.k.a. like us. We are on, you know, I forget every time. We are on all the, all the podcast platforms. Yeah, all podcast platforms. We're on Facebook at Slow Wealth. That's S-L-O-E-W-E-A-L-T-H. You can email us at invest at Slow Wealth. That's I-N-V-E-S-T at S-L-O-E-W-E-A-L-T-H. And we also... Uh, or on YouTube at Slow Wealth, uh, where you can also find these videos, and then we're also on Instagram at Slow Wealth. And yeah, we, you know, we, 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 try, we try to do all this, you know what I'm saying? We're trying to.
figure it all out, you know what I mean? But uh, definitely, we're going to be putting all this out, man, all this information. So, y'all stay tuned. Keep watching. We're going to be hitting y'all with all kind of real estate and all kind of game, stocks, small business owners, and all of that good stuff. So, Well, thank you so much, and you have a wonderful day, y'all. Thanks.